0: Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
1: Unbelievable Sunday in the National Football League, setting up for what will be an incredible week number 17 with so much still on the line with Trevor Maddich this morning. I'm Zubin Mahenti. It's Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. The fellas have the week off. We'll all be back ready to go Monday, January 4th. Get you in full playoff mode. But first, Trev, a national champion for those of you that may not be aware at BYU played in the NFL, so much football to get to an unprecedented season. We knew it would be. And now week 17, with so much on the line for so many teams. We're going to get to all of it here over the next four hours. We're presented by progressive insurance and we will start with the Chicago bears because I just sort of feel like Trev, if you were sitting next to me, socially distant six feet apart earlier in the month, it would have been saying, you know, can't be bullish on the Bears, right? On the 6th of December, Trev, on the 6th of December, earlier this month, the Bears had lost their sixth game in a row. December 6th, they had lost six in a row. You thought they were finished. Matt Nagy was done. His seat was scalding hot. Mitch Trubisky likely wouldn't been back. Hang on. Back it up. The Bears now, with a win on Sunday against our arch rival, the Packers, or a loss by the Arizona Cardinals... They are in. They go from losing six in a row to being in pole position to make the playoffs. That's where we'll start this morning with Chicago off their win over Jacksonville. Your thoughts on one of the craziest turnarounds here in less than one month.
2: And and all has to do, I think, with Mitchell Trubisky, at quarterback. He seems to be angry now. And I love to see that, Zubin, because coming out of college at North Carolina, he did really well when it didn't matter that much. But in the big games, when he was getting hit in the mouth, he seemed to disappear. It's not that he did poorly. It's that it's like he, he wasn't there. And I think in his early years in Chicago, I saw a similar thing. I'm not saying he's soft or anything like that. It just seemed like that he just wasn't present. He didn't make an impact like I thought he could based on his physical talent. And really, in the in the winning streak, the three-game winning streak, he's throwing the ball farther down the field. His, his stats, in terms of passing yards in chunks, have gotten much better, and I think part of it is just that he's angry. He's tired of it. He's tired of people saying he can't play. He's tired of being the butt of the jokes in Chicago. And I think he's come out and put that extra layer of of emotion on top of his game, and I think that's helping him.
1: Now, we are going to go to Chicago at 640 to talk to our Bears insider, Jeff Dickerson, 640 a.m., Eastern, Trev said they put together the three-game winning streak not a moment too soon. Quality of competition is what it is, but as Key always likes to say, you just play who's in front of you. They beat the Texans 36-7. They're going nowhere. They played the Vikings and what was actually a huge game for both teams. Both teams actually came in at six and seven. They edged them 33-27 and then a win over the Jags yesterday, 41-17, which clinched the number one overall pick for Jacksonville. They have not won since week number one. Let that settle in. The Jags have not won a game (laughs) since week number one. That six-game losing streak started with a loss to the Rams, who are fighting for their playoff lives. Then a loss to the Saints, the Titans, the Vikings, the Packers, and the Lions. Again, on December 6th, lost six in a row. They also thought it was a lost season and a lost career for Matt Nagy. And I'll be interested to see what Jeff Dickerson, our Bears insider, has to say about this. Because I'm going to give you the totality now of Matt Nagy. If I was an attorney, if I was representing the case for Matt Nagy, everybody says he's on a scalding hot seat. This is what I would say. Three seasons in the NFL will be complete next week after their game against the Packers. Again, a win over the Packers and they're in a Cardinals loss to the Rams. The bears are also in, in that way. So they've got two ways to get in a win and take care of business, or they can leave it up to the Rams. Three years for Matt Nagy. First year, 12 and four double doink in the playoffs. We remember that, but 12 and four, they get into the playoffs for the first time in eight years. That has to mean something for equity. Then they backslide to eight and eight. If they win on Sunday, They'll be nine and seven. So in a best case scenario, Trev, 12 wins, eight wins, nine wins. That means three seasons, two playoff berths, zero losing seasons. Let that settle in for a second, considering the way people talk about Matt Nagy. In a best case scenario, with the win against the Packers, he would be in the playoffs two of his three years and never had an under 500 season. When you see it that
2: way, To me, suddenly that scalding seat isn't so hot. And you've got to also look at the quarterbacks that he's facing and that he has to face them with. Now, they chose Mitchell Trubisky. I get that. But you've got Aaron Rodgers up in Green Bay, Matthew Stafford at Detroit, and then Kirk Cousins, who's a pretty good quarterback. I like him better than a lot of people do in Minnesota. And then you've got Chicago. And so he's dealing with at least with the Lions and with especially the Packers with a quarterback situation where he's going to have the lesser of capability and still he's been able to do what you just said he did. I think it's really easy for us to say that a coach isn't getting to the Super Bowl. You know, it's like a Nick Saban in the SEC. They say, you don't beat Nick Saban. You're out. You're gone. Well, who does? Right now the Packers (laughs) are on a run, right? And to be second to that is not such a bad thing as long as the trajectory is improving. And right now, the Bears' trajectory is improving.
1: Indeed. I want to talk about the Packers here in a second because essentially the Bears and the Packers right now might be in the same division, but they're also battling for the top of the NFC playoff picture and the bottom. But before we get to the Packers and what they did on Sunday night football, which opened some eyes big time, Mitch Trubisky and the Bears, 30-plus points, three straight weeks, the offense clicking at just the right time.
3: Second half, yes. I thought we could have been a
1: little bit better in in the in the second quarter, um, just with our communication, getting being faster into the huddle and getting substitutions in the game
3: uh, a little bit better. And I thought we cleaned it up the second half. So uh, I think it was just some self-inflicted stuff in the second quarter, but we made those adjustments at halftime. Uh, came out and was playing fast in the third and fourth quarter. So that's. Good teams make adjustments, and they know when to self-correct and when to get on each other and just communicate,
1: and we were able to make those adjustments, and I, th- I think we did make some progress, especially in, in the in the third quarter, um, just putting the game away and, and coming away with a win as a team. There you go. That's Mitch Trubisky. Again, we'll go to Chicago Bears insider Jeff Dickerson joins us at 640 for a team that has turned it around at the exact right moment. Once again, a win over the Packers and they clinch a playoff spot. They will play at 425 Eastern, also at 425 Eastern in week number 17. It'll be Arizona and the Rams. The Bears could also get in with a Cardinals loss, so they'll be scoreboard watching. Just take care of business. You don't have to worry about the Cardinals and the Rams, but at the very same time, A Rams win over Arizona could also get Chicago in. So a duality of ways for them to get into the playoffs. But why not just win, get in, go there with a little bit of momentum? We're asking this morning on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, who do you trust more? The Chiefs of the Packers. Be a part of the Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. College football season winding down, so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. The reason we're asking that, of course, the Chiefs have the one seat in the AFC. The Packers can clinch home field advantage themselves with the win over the Bears on Sunday. So there's so much on the line, obviously for Chicago, but at the same token, Trev, a ton on the line for green Bay again, home field throughout the NFC playoffs with a win over the bears. They could also get it with a Seattle loss. If they wanted to get in that way and get the home field. Uh, And that would be when Seattle takes on San Francisco green Bay last night on Sunday night football, football, I just want to mention this. Uh, Tennessee had no chance. Everybody knows about how putrid their defense is. They allowed 448 yards to the Packers, Trev. Mm. And here's how it started. Aaron Rodgers' first drive of the game. Five for five, 40 yards, touchdown, Devontae Adams. Once that happened and the snow started falling, it got cool. Aaron got hot. Five for five, 40 to Devontae Adams. And it was all over from there. I want to make just a plea here for Devontae Adams for Offensive Player of the Year. There's some talk about Alvin Kamara. Travis Kelsey, first tight end with back-to-back 100 reception seasons. But Devontae Adams, 109 catches, 1,328 yards, 17 touchdowns, of the season. Obviously, it's a dependent position. Rodgers has put him in that boat. But the Packers themselves take care of business on Sunday night football. They beat the Bears. They get home field. Bears beat the Packers. They get in the playoffs. Pretty juicy for the NFL's oldest rivalry. Resume for the latest time this coming Sunday.
2: Yeah, it's really juicy. And I think really the key for the Bears is going to be to pound the run. Because I think that's where they could get an advantage. They won't have an advantage as a quarterback. They just won't. You know, the pass rush of the Bears can be very good when it heats up. But Rodgers gets the ball out so fast. I'm not sure they can really count on that. What they have to do is keep him on the sideline. It's just old school. Talk about the oldest rivalry. It's it's what they need to do. And the Bears run the ball pretty well. They're not great, but they're okay. That okay needs to be enough to move the chains because they do not want this as well as Tan or excuse me as Trubisky has been playing. They do not want this to turn into a quarterback duel.
1: Indeed, Green Bay wins home field throughout. Bears win. They get themselves into the playoffs. Pretty darn simple there for those two on the way. The number one question for the Jets, what should they do with the number two overall pick? We'll get to it next with Trevor Maddich Zubin Mahenti on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM.
0: Chishon, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any.
3: must be 21 plus and present in present and select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply see app for details
1: another crazy sunday in the nfl and a crazy result between the browns and the jets and the reverberating effects the residual effects we're going to get into here are numerous for the Jets, for the Jags, and most importantly, short-term for the Cleveland Browns with Trevor Maddich and Zubin Mahenti, It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. The fellows will be back. We'll all be back on Monday, January 4th. That'll be ready to go for the playoffs. The playoff picture still in flux. We kind of know the situation in some spots, but we're really waiting to see what happens with the NFC East, the bottom of the NFC playoff picture. We know the deal at the top of the AFC, but there's plenty to sort out here in week 17, it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. All right, Trev, let's get right to it. The Jets with that stunning win over the Browns. It stands to reason that the guy that might be the NFL coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski, is out by a coach that probably is going to be fired within hours of the team ending their regular season on Sunday. That's a topsy-turvy NFL for you in 2020. I want to run down the scenario here for the Browns, believe it or not, they can still get into the playoffs although their playoff chances have now shrunk to less than 50%. If they can win against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday, they can get in. They can also get in possibly possibly here if they want to by virtue of a loss from the Indianapolis Colts, though they got the Jacksonville Jaguars I wouldn't certainly bet on that. But here's the situation for the Browns that people didn't realize over the weekend what they were going into. People look at it and say, Baker Mayfield, Trev, threw 53 times. What in the world was he doing throwing that many times against the Jets? Keep in mind, the Browns didn't have their top four wide receivers, all out due to COVID. And I don't even say that in a passing way. It's 2020. Even the most crazy of things is said in such a staid tone that nothing seems surprising anymore. But just let that settle in. They didn't have their top four wide receivers, so Baker didn't have anybody to essentially throw to. Baker also didn't have his left tackle. Baker also didn't have his starting right guard. His top two wide receivers, one of them, his top two wide receivers came from the practice squad. Their flight to Newark, New Jersey to play the Jets was delayed four hours, and then they had contact tracing on the ground. On Sunday morning, without their top four wide receivers, Kevin Stefanski gathered the wide receivers he did have, and they ran routes and went through things in a parking garage to make sure they could all get on the same page. No excuses. All of it happened. They lose. The Jets clinch the two-spot. The Jags have the one-spot in the draft. We'll talk about that in a second. But now, after all this adversity, the Browns need to win against the Steelers to get in. They could get a little help to get in. But this was a disastrous performance. Any way you look at it Sunday, no matter how depleted they were.
2: So what do you think about them with the with the receivers out, throwing the ball 53 times anyway? What do you think, Zubin?
1: It just didn't seem like a recipe for success, considering I think they have one of the best running games in the NFL.
2: Yep. Now, most people agree with you. I see it differently. Okay, go ahead. Right? I don't mind them throwing the ball 53 times. I thought it was the right decision. Here's why. Guess who also knew that they were struggling at receiver? The Jets' defense, and they were crowded up at the line to gum up the short passes and to gum up the running game especially. And the running game went nowhere. And when you're a play caller, the first thing you need to do is not commit to the run. The first thing you need to do is string together some first downs. And if your running game is getting utterly stuffed, then you've got to go to plan B. I mean, Nick Chubb averaged just about two and a half yards of carry. So did Kareem Hunt. They were going nowhere. So what do you do? You take what the defense gives you. and did the passing game go well? Actually, it wasn't all that terrible. They were able to move the ball through the air, and they were in position to win. The reason they lost this game was not because they threw the ball 53 times. The reason the Browns lost this game was three fumbles by Baker Mayfield. One of them was at the 30-yard line, and four plays later, I mean, their own 30, four plays later, Sam Donald throws an 11-yard touchdown pass. Okay. And then, uh, they f- he fumbles the ball on the 17-yard line, and the, the Jets punch it in from there. That's 10 points. Or excuse me, they don't punch it in. They kick a field goal from there. The defense held. So that's a field goal and a touchdown off of Baker Mayfield fumbles deep in his own territory. 10 points in a game that the Browns lost by 7. So it wasn't that they threw the ball so much. The problem was turning it over. And we would have talked about had he not turned those over or had the defense been able to hold On that touchdown, we'd be talking more about how the game plan did a good job of adjusting to what the Jets' defense was doing by throwing the ball, even though that was counterintuitive. Instead, because of those fumbles and what happened on those fumbles, we're blaming the offensive coordinator for a terrible game plan. I don't think that's
1: fair. Let's sum it up one more time before we hear from Baker Mayfield. For the Browns, their playoff hopes have plummeted to under 50%. would have been a very high percentage to make it had they been able to win against the Jets, but instead they now need a win against the Steelers. The good thing for the Browns is that the Steelers have clinched the division, so it's just a matter of what they want to do. Does Tomlin want to rest players? It should be an interesting scenario to see what he wants to do. You want to rest your guys, but then again, you've lost three of four games. You want to keep the momentum going in, especially after yesterday's rally against the Colts. We'll get into that in just a second. So Cleveland with the win over their arch-rival Pittsburgh, who really has nothing to play for with regards to the division It's sewn up. Again, they could also back their way into the playoffs with a loss if the Colts were to lose on Sunday. But the Colts are playing the Jags, who haven't won since week one. So win and take care of business. Don't depend on Jackson.
2: (laughs) And the Jags have something to play for, Trevor Lawrence. So they're they're looking the other direction. I'm not saying they're going to tank. Just to say that there might be some influence there that they might not... It might be okay if they lose. Let's put it that way. Indeed. So the Jags do have
1: the first overall pick of the 2021 draft. The Jets have the second overall pick. We're going to get into that in just a second. Baker's not thinking about it. Of course, he was the number one overall pick in his draft. He's thinking playoffs. But after yesterday, he evaluated his play and what is ahead. There's no excuse. Uh, Plain and simple, I I failed this team. I put three balls on the ground, Uh, two of them that, you know, they recovered, and then the other the, on the fourth down obviously need to just hold on to the den ball. So, uh, plain and simple, um, I have to hold on
0: to the damn ball. Uh, I failed this team. Uh, we had exactly what we needed to win this game, uh, and I didn't do good enough. And that's that's it. There's there's nothing. I'm proud of these guys
1: for being able to step up. I mean, these guys didn't even think they were going to play. So uh, for for anybody to criticize them, uh, shame on you. It put it on me for, for not doing my job.
0: For not playing at a high level like I like I should have. Uh, for for not giving these guys uh, going and, and finishing out this game. So it, it, you know, I've got to hold on to the ball uh, during QB sneak.
1: Baker doing the right thing, putting him on himself. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. But again, let me just stick up for Baker. I know he is criticized all day long, but he didn't have his top four wide receivers, his left tackle, his right guard, and his starting two wide receivers yesterday. I'm guessing Jamarcus Bradley and Marvin Hall were never on your fantasy team, even though I know most fantasy seasons ended yesterday. That's not a fantasy scenario. Instead of throwing to Jarvis Landry and OBJ, you're throwing to Jamarcus Bradley and Marvin Hall again without his top four wide receivers, and without 40% of his offensive line, I'm going to give them a pass And despite that loss yesterday to the Jets, again, they can get in with a win over the Steelers, who don't have a ton to play for divisionally, considering they've clinched the AFC North as Mike Tomlin and company again, even if they were to lose to Pittsburgh by any scenario, they could get in with an Indy loss. But again, Indy playing the Jags, the Jags haven't won since week one, they've got draft pick number one, the Jets have draft pick number two. And that's where we're headed next. Exactly what the Jets might do with pick number two, especially since we know what the Jags are going to do with pick number one. We'll get into it.
0: Tishan, Jay, Will, and Subin, the podcast.
3: Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. By visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C eBikes.com.
2: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and
3: solutions for
2: every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call click clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Another big win. For the
1: Jets, second in a row over what you would think would be a playoff caliber team if the Rams and the Browns happen to sneak in, though there's no guarantee at that point. Seven days ago, if Trevor Maddich and I were sitting here, you would think it's a near certainty they would both get in. But that's where we are headed to Week 17. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Trevor Maddich, the national champion from BYU, in for the fellows. So we have our NCAA national champion, J. Will, out. we got our college football national champion, Trevor Maddich, and it's great to have him here all morning long. So essentially the Jets defeat the Browns. And with that win, they clinch the number two overall pick. It's only apropos because the 2021 NFL draft would be in Cleveland next April. So they defeat Cleveland. They lock up the two pick. Jacksonville's got the one pick. There's no discussion needed on what Jacksonville is going to do. Obviously they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence and hope that he'll be slightly better uh, than Blaine Gabbert and Blake Bortles, looking closer to Mark Brunel, a guy that could get you to the cusp of a Super Bowl. And that would be perfect, right? North Florida, Lawrence is from Lawrenceville, Georgia. Could be a perfect situation there if you put it all together and make it work. That seems like a franchise that's irrelevant, that's spinning its wheels, and the only thing that could make most people pay attention to the Jags would be getting Trevor Lawrence. Let's put him there. The Jets are in the two spot. Firm. They could go after Justin Fields. They could go after... Zach Wilson, another BYU stalwart to match the man sitting six feet from me. They could go with Trey Lance. They could go with Mac Jones, Kyle Trask. It certainly doesn't seem like those two would be in top two territory, but they do need a quarterback, or maybe they don't need a quarterback. Or, Trev, maybe they could spin that package of the number 2 pick and get a plethora of picks. So what should the Jets do? I, some of the quarterbacks not named Trevor Lawrence, double down on Sam Darnold, and then build around him with somebody at the 2 pick or package the 2 pick and get more picks.
2: I think they should stay with Sam Darnold. I think he has gotten a a bad deal out of this whole thing because of the, the team around him. He at USC showed a lot of great instincts, but he didn't play all that much. I don't think that he ever really had mastered his own offense because he wasn't in it long enough. Now he comes to the NFL to a Jets team that is truly abysmal. And he's expected to elevate that team, which really requires a quarterback with a lot of experience. Either that or a quarterback that can run around like crazy to avoid the pass rush and make plays off schedule. But if you want your quarterback to make plays on schedule within the offense, he needs to know the offense. He needs to know NFL defenses. And Sam Darnold did not come into the league advanced in that way. So the Jets have... Built up their offensive line. They've invested there, and so good for them, right? Their receiving core, however, is abysmal. It's terrible. It's just awful. And so who's he going to throw to? The running game is just okay. So he can't really rely on that either. And I don't know that drafting another quarterback with a number 2 spot would change anything. I would rather them take a guy like Panay Sewell the left tackle out of Oregon, and then shift guys around on that offensive line to get the five best in there. Uh, Depending on what position is best for them, I would put Pasoul at left tackle for sure. But do that, make the team around him better, rather than bring in another quarterback and plug him into the same situation that Darnold has been in, and then hope that that guy can get up to speed fast enough that he can do something before you fire the next coach. So this is something that I think that the Jets fans really, Jets fans are amazing at the draft. I love them. Jets fans are knowledgeable and passionate. I love them. I played for the Jets. Absolutely love them. But this is a time when I think that the Jets should better, the Jets would be better off building around Sam Darnold, keeping Sam Darnold, and making the team better than trying to bring in another quarterback that would elevate the team that's already there. Because the team that's already there isn't going to win anyway, no matter who's playing quarterback.
1: Speaking of coach-quarterback combinations, we'll go to Chicago here in four minutes to talk about exactly what might happen with Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky. It didn't seem like too long ago that Trubisky wouldn't be back. Now there's reports the Bears would be interested in bringing him back and that Nagy could be back as well, we'll talk to our Bears reporter Jeff Dickerson. That's coming up in four minutes to see what's going on with the head coach and quarterback situation in Chicago. You mentioned the situation with the Jets. It seems obviously a fate to play at some point that Adam Gase is going to be out right after they complete their regular season on Sunday. Keyshawn has said this, and I always thought Keyshawn was looking at this from, you know, in in my opinion. Uh, maybe rose-colored glasses because of his affinity for Sam Darnold, sharing the same alma mater. He's the first person that said, and you echoed it, that Sam is a talented player. It's just very difficult to see it considering what's around him. A lot of people have been saying, Key, I think you're being a little too biased here. You're a little too in with Sam Darnold, a little too in with USC. But the last couple of games, particularly yesterday, have shown that Sam Darnold might have the goods. If Sam Darnold is surrounded by the requisite talent, I'm not talking like unbelievable talent like Patrick Mahomes or somebody else has with his otherworldly ability with Mahomes. If you get the requisite talent around Sam Darnold, what type of quarterback is he?
2: He's a quarterback whose instincts then could come to the fore because he's learning the offense, although if they do make a change at coach, then he may have a whole new offense to learn, and that holds him back. But it's paralysis by analysis. A lot of ways we're seeing that with Tua in Miami in his rookie year that Tua coming out of Alabama was an instinctual monster right now he's thinking so much you're not seeing those instincts really let fly on the field and it's Donald was a similar kind of quarterback at USC. So as you give him new offenses to deal with and the receivers that aren't getting separation to go with more complex defensive looks that he has to understand, his instincts don't really get onto the field yet. And we won't know what Donald's ceiling is until he has fully mastered an offense and he has guys around him that can run that offense well. Until then, remember, the kind of quarterback that you would need at the Jets is a grizzled veteran who can distribute the ball really fast, And who can run like crazy. Not a whole lot of guys out there like that. And that's not where you're going to build your team anyway. Because you're talking about bringing in a guy who can make up for problems elsewhere. You know what? Solve the problems elsewhere while your young quarterback continues to grow.
1: In our last couple minutes, we'll have Jeff Dickerson here in a minute. The Bears were left for dead. And so were the Jets. And I'm not saying the Raiders are great. We saw what happened to the Raiders. He had another skid to the finish after that loss to Miami on Saturday. They're going to miss the playoffs. But it stands to reason, if it wasn't for that miracle throw from Carter Ruggs, They would have beaten the Raiders. They beat the Rams. They beat the Browns. Too little, too late for Adam Gase. Take me inside the mind, though, of an organization when you're playing as poorly as the Jets You've won two in a row. You could have won three in a row. Everybody's saying you're sort of giving up. I've been somewhat impressed by the way the Jets have played here the last three weeks. It doesn't wash away the stench of the 0-13 start, but when a team is left for dead, much like the team they share a stadium with, when the Giants started 0-5 and 1-7 and they were on the cusp of the playoffs here until the last couple weeks when they backslid with the Jones injury, take me inside the mind of a player. You're 0-13. You've won two in a row. You could have won their last three. They haven't given up. I don't think this reflects anything on Adam. Gase. He's clearly out, but I've been impressed with the 55, not the 53, the 55 on the roster this year. At least the last few weeks, they've shown me something I didn't think they were capable of.
2: Me, 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 me. That's what it's about. That doesn't mean that they're selfish. It means that they understand that a new coach is going to come in. And when a new coach comes in, in his first team meeting, he says all the right things to the players. You know, we're all together and we're going to win. Everybody's going to have a chance. That's what he says. What he's thinking is this. You guys sitting before me in this team meeting got the last coach fired. If I get fired, it's not going to be because you did it again. I'm going to bring in other people. And so right now what teams that are struggling, like the Jets, like the Jaguars, what they're thinking is as individual players, what do I need to do to put on tape something that will impress the next coach that the next coach will think I can help him not get fired? And if that's not good enough, in terms of a coach that comes in and wants to just clean house anyway, then the next team that I could go to, that that coach will look at me on tape and say, that guy comes from a bad team, but he's not likely to get me fired because I like the way he's playing. And so you lose team cohesion. You lose everybody playing for their, their brother on either side of them. But you gain individuals trying to show what they can do. So that can be good. It can be bad. Uh, but that's what teams, that's what players are thinking when they're in this kind of a situation, for the most part.
1: And it's no doubt. No matter what happens, they have locked up the second overall pick in the twenty twenty one NFL draft with a win over Cleveland yesterday. And the twenty twenty one NFL draft will be held in Cleveland, beginning on April thirtieth. It could be another reboot for the Jets to the quarterback position, but maybe it won't be. We'll see what happens moving forward. The Jets will end the regular season at New England. On Sunday. Speaking of teams that have issues to determine with the head coach and the quarterback. And that team, of course, would be the Chicago Bears. Jeff Dickerson is our Bears reporter. He's with the team 24 7, 365. He joins us this morning on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, Trevor Madich the national champion, the ESPN college football analyst, In for the Fellas. Let's go there. Jeff, good morning. There's so many things I want to ask you about Nagy. There's so many things I want to ask you about Trubisky. But first things first, just give me the feeling in the city winners of three in a row with the possibility of getting into the playoffs by beating their arch rival next Sunday to seal the deal.
0: I would say Zubin, there's cautious optimism, but then again, I think bears fans after watching the Packers play against Tennessee (laughs) last night are a bit concerned and guys, I, you know, hate to say this uh, for the Bears' sake, but Green Bay has won 18 of the last 21 in this series. I mean, it has been so one-sided. Uh, the Bears had a chance to make the playoffs in Week 17 back in 2013. to had to beat the Packers at home to get in, and they lost in spectacular fashion uh, in the last minute. So I think there is this sense that, hey, look, the Bears have capitalized on playing a lot of bad teams. I know we'll talk about Trubisky and the offense, but you know Houston, Minnesota, Jacksonville—the game they lost to Detroit about a month ago. Remember, the Lions were 31st in defense going into uh, Week 16, so they have really capitalized on these on these poor teams. Now, what happens? Does this offensive renaissance continue when they play a team like Green Bay in Week 17? And if they get in, how do they fare in the playoffs? So I think fans are excited that there's something to play for this late in the year. But there is that, that dread that, oh, no, I mean, this might be fool's gold because they're doing this against some really bad defenses.
2: Well, you talk about Trubisky. Now he's being looked at by the Bears uh, as possibly a long-term solution, or at least Bears fans. Where do you think Trubisky stands after playing so well the last few weeks?
0: Yeah, I mean, Trevor is helping himself, but it is, uh, isn't it so like today's uh, sports age that you attach so much significance to what has happened right in front of your face and you ignore what's happened the last three-plus years? I mean, the Bears have had enough time to make a decision on Mitchell Trubisky's future. And in fact, it seemed like they had done that. They declined his fifth-year option. They benched him in week three in favor of Nick Foles. And now, to his credit, Trubisky comes back in, again, against defenses that ranked in this order, guys. 31st, 30th, 27th, and 32nd. Not that I'm keeping count or anything. (laughs) But he does this, and now there's this groundswell of, well, he's got to come back next year. Well, I mean... I've heard people say the franchise tag. Guys, the cap is going down this year. You're going to have a $27 million franchise cap a number on, on Mitchell Trubisky next year? I, I don't know if that's really possible. A long-term deal after declining his fifth-year option? I'm not sure if that makes a lot of sense. And Trubisky probably, in his own mind, would like maybe a clean start uh, from Chicago. It did not go well for him as far as you know his dealing with um, the public perception and losing his job earlier this year. So you can't rule it out, but I think, guys, the best thing for the Bears to do, and I think what they're going to do, is let's see what happens against Green Bay. If Mitchell Trubisky plays great against the Packers, and then they get into the playoffs, and they actually win a playoff game or games for the first time since 2010, maybe the conversation changes. I know we're just as This instant analysis society. But I think maybe showing a little more patience and seeing how this plays out is the right thing to do.
1: Jeff Dickerson is our Bears reporter. He joins us this morning. There's also plenty on the line for Green Bay. Obviously, the Bears win and they're in. They can get in with the Cardinals loss. The Packers win. They clinch home field in the NFC. So it could be really interesting at 425 Eastern on Sunday to see how the top and the bottom of the NFC playoff picture is determined with two teams from the NFC North. Battling. You mentioned the totality, the cumulative statement. Just don't look in front of you, right, for Mitchell Trubisky. Take a look at the totality of what he's done since he's drafted. On that tip, Jeff, I'm going to ask you this. Use the criteria you just mentioned, and I'm going to be the attorney here for Matt Nagy. Three years on the job, 12 wins, backslide to eight wins, Mm -hmm. possibility of a winning season on Sunday. So let's go best case scenario. They beat the Packers. That means three years on the job, 12 wins, playoffs. Eight wins, missed the playoffs, nine wins in the playoffs. In other words, three years, two playoff berths, zero sub-500 seasons in his three years on the job. The way people are talking about this guy, you would think that his record would be far worse. Let's say they win and they're in. He's in the playoffs for the second time in three years. If I'm not mistaken, Jeff, he was the guy that ended the Bears' eight-year playoff drought, that 2010 year you mentioned. Wouldn't he be back if that's the argument? Isn't that a pretty good argument?
0: There's no question, and He was coach of the year in 2018 in the NFL. I hate to say, I hate to date myself here, guys, but I've covered the Bears since 2004. They've made the playoffs a grand total of four times since I've covered the Bears, okay? To make the playoffs two out of three years, that's like George Halas, Mike Ditka level <laughs> here in Chicago, right? I mean, in three years of 500 football or better, now, Lovey Smith did that at the very end, and then Mark Tresman had the 1-500 year in 2013. Before that, you have to go back to the real heyday of Ditka in the mid-80s to find a Bears team that for three consecutive years had a 500 record or better. Matt Nagy is young. He's figuring this out. It hasn't been perfect. There have been a lot of problems offensively, but the one thing I will say about Matt Nagy, guys— those guys, the Bears play hard for him. They've never mailed it in. They haven't looked great. But you know, when they had lost six in a row, they came out every single week and they played inspired football and they they just play for the guy. So I would be of the mindset that absolutely Matt Nagy um, has two years left on his contract. He deserves to be back. And if they just win on Sunday, I think that becomes an absolute no-doubt proclamation.
1: There's no doubt about it. On the 6th of December, okay, earlier this month, on the 6th of December, they had lost their sixth straight game. And now they're in a win-and-in situation for the playoffs. I don't think you could want anything more than that. Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. That's Jeff Dickerson joining us. Let's go from A to Z. And from A to Z is brought to you by Redbox. Redbox has new movies at the box and streaming on demand. Don't miss *Tenant*, starring John David Washington, famous father named Denzel and Robert Pattinson. Visit Redbox.com for all the ways to watch. There were 10 games in the NBA on Sunday. That's a rarity. But when you're trying to squeeze the season in with 72, 10 on a Sunday is a lot. And the Clippers got manhandled by a lot. By the Mavs. This was a first round playoff rematch from the bubble. Mavs lost that series and they took it out on the Clips in a huge way. They beat them by 51. The Clippers were down 50 at the half. Let me say that again. They were down 77-27 at the half. They didn't have Kawhi. He got eight stitches after he got hit by a little friendly fire, a little elbow on Christmas Day. No excuse for the remaining superstar for the Clippers. Yesterday, Paul George, the Clippers, just got waxed.
2: It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, we got our, our boats kicked today. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one game. Um, I think we'll just take what we need to take away from today um, and go to the next one. Um, we wasn't ready
3: today. We wasn't prepared. Um, not from the plan, but just from us being ready to go. Um, And that's on me. Um, And so, you know,
0: we'll be ready for the next game.
1: We'll see. No team had ever trailed by 50 points ever in an NBA game at the half. They look like the old Clippers for a night, not the new look Clippers. And in a story that started percolating yesterday morning, Adam Schefter reporting that Urban Meyer might be in play for some NFL coaching opportunities a source connected to one of the two teams that's looking telling Schefter and ESPN that Meyer did not dismiss the overtures he intends to make a decision in the next week remember he's got no experience at the NFL level he's been wildly successful everywhere collegiately from Bowling Green to Utah to Florida to Ohio State from Adam Schefter to our college expert Adam Rittenberg on the challenges that Meyer might face at the highest level of football.
0: I'm just fascinated guys to see what type of fit urban would be in the NFL, you know, where you don't have all the best players uh, where the talent is more even. And, and how would he handle that? How would he handle the intensity that he brings? which is sort of his hallmark at the college game. It's fourth and one every day when urban is your coach, can that translate to the NFL or would he take a slightly different approach?
1: Now, Trevor, you say there is one intangible regarding Urban Meyer that nobody's thinking about. Either you can lead men or you can't, no matter the level of football.
2: That's right. And really, the first priority of an NFL head coach is leadership. And it's a different style of leadership in some ways because you're leading a different kind of, of athlete. In college, you're taking 18-year-old unguided missiles out of high school, and you're hmm. developing them into productive men both on and off the field. In the NFL, you're grown men. With kids in school and and everything else. So it's different there. But the principles of leadership remain the same. And Urban Meyer succeeded at that at the highest level, up there with Nick Saban, up there with the very best of them, Dabo Sweeney. And part of the reason is he focuses on it. I sat in his office with him a couple of years ago at Ohio State, and we talked about this very thing. And what he said was that he has leadership training seminars for his assistant coaches about twice a month, Hmm. one way or another, big or small and he teaches them the principles of leadership. He doesn't leave it to chance. and just say, go be a leader. Then those assistant coaches go into their position meetings, and they teach those principles to their players. So the natural locker room leaders are taught principles of how to be an effective leader, and that's one of the reasons Ohio State has been so effective over the years under Urban Meyer. Leadership and the ability to project it into the locker room and then benefit from it out of the locker room are what I think he can do in the NFL just as well as he did in college. And that's the most important thing for an NFL coach to be able to do.
1: The one thing I would quickly add to that is right now he's a member of the media. He's actually an excellent college football analyst. He works for Fox. He formerly worked for ESPN in that role. And I think he's done... A great job. If he was a college coach at this time, he would be straddling both worlds. I got to try to salvage this recruiting class. I told all these kids I was going to be here. Now I'm jumping to the NFL. I got to tell these kids one thing. I got to tell NFL teams another thing. Right now, when you're in TV, there's no strings attached. Take the extra days. Don't worry about being at the whims of an 18-year-old kid. You make the best decision for yourself. On the way, Sunday Night Football. You might have missed it. One of the most amazing stat lines of Aaron Rodgers' incredible career. That's next.
0: T-Shaw, Jay Will, and Zubin, the podcast.